Welcome to the HSCT Warriors Podcast, bringing voice to the journeys of HSCT Warriors worldwide. I'm Dr. Jen Stansberry Koenig, or Zen Jen, and so grateful to share this story with you. As we continue to grow the HSCT Warrior community, illuminate the invisibilities of autoimmune disease, recognize the possibilities of a future free from disease progression, connect through our shared experiences, and advocate for an inclusive society. We're so glad you've joined us. Welcome, welcome, Amy. Welcome back, I should say. Thank you. It's so great to connect with you. I've been super excited for this. Um, I just, I get excited when I get to talk on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited to have people to talk to. Um, I, you know, I know I just wanted to thank you again. And it's amazing um, because for me personally, it has helped with the anxiety piece for me. Um, And it has really helped on my journey. And, um, and, you know, it's just a very positive for people out there. So thank you for doing this. And I appreciate that. That is such a gift. And I really appreciate you starting the conversation (laughs) off sharing that because Truly, that was the only goal I had in mind. Like, honestly, even just a couple days ago, I kept thinking, well, gee whiz, I'm almost to 100 episodes, which is hard to believe. And I hate to end this season, but I teach a class that starts in a couple weeks. And this is just my busy, busy time of year. Yeah. So like, I hate to put that off. And then I'm thinking, well, I guess I'll come back for season 10. And that will have our 100th episode. And that's really exciting. But then what's next? And I can't yeah. believe I've made it this long without any sponsors. And and see, I don't know how the podcast world works. And I know, you know, other podcasts that you listen to, there is a pause and they do, you know, advertisement and stuff like that. So I know that that's out there. And honestly, your podcast is the very first pause podcast I've actually ever listened to. <laughs> um, I'm so glad you found it. I, I'm, I'm really excited that I found it as well. And, you know, I, as a teacher, um, I know we always have to continue teaching ourselves and learning because everything changes in life as it progresses. So I hope um, that we're able to continue on and do great things. Um, but, you know, it's it's got to be a huge responsibility. Um, we all have our lives and we all have this disease. Most of us do anyway. Um, And so with MS, you know, as everyone knows that actually experiences uh, the symptoms of MS, it's just, it's really hard for us, um, you know, to balance those things. Absolutely. And even focus, right? And that was, I really didn't want the stories interrupted by sponsors, because it's one of my pet peeves when I listen to podcasts (laughs) is like, I listen because I I don't want to be watching TV. And I hate the commercials on TV. Like, (laughs) I don't want people to feel obligated, or even distracted by those ads. And so I've just not ever incorporated them or yeah. And that's not to say as a nonprofit, right? Yeah, yeah. That we wouldn't benefit from even donations to support the podcast. (laughs) So if anyone's listening and interested, there's a pitch for you. But yeah, because, you know, um, I think for for me personally, um, you know, the focus is a huge piece for us because, you know, our focus does drift, at least mine does. (laughs) Right. Um, You know, that that whole thing of, you know, if, if there's something that comes in for the briefest amount of time, my focus just automatically goes into that direction. And it's, you know, you have to refocus and you have to come back. And also too, when someone's telling you their story, um, it just, it it kind of breaks it up just a little bit. And, um, not that it doesn't mean as much. It just kind of breaks that emotion that you have going. Exactly. I would never dream of doing that. Like my intention is to hold space for people to feel safe being vulnerable and sharing their story. And, and so ads have no place in that, but speaking of focus, why don't we focus on you? (laughs) So welcome (laughs) back, Amy. Why don't you, um, rewind a little bit and talk to us 
about what led you to pursue HSCT and how it's going now that you have gone through HSCT. Yes, I, um, well, you know, I, I was diagnosed in 2008, brief review. Um, I got in a hot tub and that's kind of how everything started mm. um, and the diagnosis and going numb and all that good tingly stuff we get to experience. And so that was in 2008. Um, I was teaching at the time and I had one of my students. Uh, she was a super smart young lady and I got to know her and her mom. So years later, um, my daughter was actually in the same class with her other daughter and they got, you know, they were good friends and, um, and I'll share her name and her name is Stephanie Tippett. She actually um, has um, HSCT under Dr. Burt. I think it was five or six years ago. Nice. Yes. And so um, I got to experience that with her. And if I had not come in contact with her several years ago, I truly believe that I would not have even heard of HSDT. She's really a great resource for me because, as we talked in the last podcast, I've actually get, gotten to see um, the changes in her. Um, you know, life is a lot better. It's, life is never easy, but it's, a, it's better. Um, and there are some symptoms that you just don't have to fight on a day-to-day basis. And, you know, that's, that's a positive. So I've kept in touch with her and I feel like people come into our lives for a reason. Um, and I feel like she came into my life years ago for this specific, mm. um, I don't believe in, uh, coincidences. I don't believe in accidents, um, you know, whether they're good, bad or indifferent, whatever. Mm. I just, I feel like things happen the way they're supposed to. And, um, so without her, I would not have even heard of it. And I, and I truly believe that because she's a research gal. She, she does her research. She's super smart. Um, and so, you know, so that's kind of where I heard of HSCT. And even after I had HSCT, I reached out to her, um, during that whole process because I was experiencing some pretty cool things, but mm. also holy cow, what's going on? Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, um, so that's kind of how I heard about HSCT and, um, you know, I wanted to do it years ago when she had hers done, but I think at that moment in my life, I would not have, you know, went through with it because it was still something very new. And at that point in my life, it really did scare me. Um, but now, you know, years later, it, I've seen the end result and I'm, I wasn't scared of it mm. um, because I followed her. So, so with all that said, um, you know, last year I went to Clinica Ruiz and I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, and I went, uh, we, we went October the 25th and came back November the 20th. Um, and I have to tell people that, my experience there was 10 times better than anything that I've experienced in the States. Mm, I've heard um, that from a lot of people. Yeah. And I actually kind of got chills just now because it's, it's very true. You know, you hear things here and I think people intentionally try to, I, I, I'm having a hard time finding my word, but really they, they want to be negative about things in Mexico. But I personally had a very positive experience and I can tell you um, you know, I've been with this disease since 2008 and before, but they gave me more information on my MRI than I've ever had. You know, um, they actually found a lesion on my brain stem, um, that I was never told about. Interesting. Um, yeah. And it's not that I'm not saying the people didn't know it was there. I was just never told that I actually had one on my brain stem, um, and I think, you know, I'm not a doctor, but I think your brainstem is very important. And um, for me to have a lesion there was a big deal for me. And that was hard for me in Mexico because, again, I had never been told that. Um, so I wasn't scared because, you know, I've been living with it and I knew it was an older lesion. But again, I was never told about it. Um, very surprising me- to find out, right? It is. It is because, 
you know, you do the MRIs because you want to have additional information about this disease. Um, I was never told that I had eight lesions. Um, I was just told, hey, you're good. You know, the drugs are working. Let's continue the drugs. And that's the only thing I was ever told. Mm. And, you know, at the time, you know, that's fine because I don't know any better. Um, but when I went to Mexico, I had an actual doctor, neurologist, sit with me. Um, and I did the, I guess it's an hour and a half, two-hour MRI because you have to do certain tests in order to be able to go through the treatment. So we went to Clinica Ruiz and we did the MRI. And then either a day or two days later, they sat down with you and show you your MRI, show you where your lesions are. Um, and then they also try to talk to you about um, the disability scale and where you're at as far as disability. Um, and I think I was like a 2.0 something or I can't remember. But, um, you know, the disability scale is great. I don't really understand it. I just know that people w that live with this, it doesn't really matter how bad it is. I think just being diagnosed with MS is bad enough. So Sure. And the scale can, in my mind, be more subjective based on who's measuring and the day, right? Because we're all so different day to day. We are. And I think that's the reason why I don't, I, I mean, I, I think it's, it's, I mean, it's okay for them because, you know, I know with work and everything, that's what they focus on. But at the same time, the disability scale, I personally believe that it's not going to measure the fatigue as well. It's not going to measure just a lot of different things because it's more so of invisible symptoms, you know. So, sure. yeah. So I just, you know, that whole thing, um, I, I was just like, OK, you know, and I know the reasoning behind they they do that because they do want to track the growth and um, how HSCT is benefiting you and what's changed. So I understand the reasoning behind it. So we sat down with a neurologist and my husband went with me. So um, and we just had a conversation and they told me I had, you know, eight lesions and I had a lesion on my brain stem and, you know, just just having them sit down with me and going over step-by-step step my MRI that had never been done with me before. As many as, you know, sometimes I would have two in a year or I'd have one in a year. Nobody ever sat down with me and actually showed me the film of my MRI and said, okay, so this is what's happening in your brain. Um, so anyway, so I thought that was very important. Um, and it, it made a huge difference to me because they shared things with me that I didn't know. Did yeah, you it, feel more connected with them as doctors and professionals? I did. I did, actually. And I was very, very thankful. And my res respect for them was a lot greater because I felt like, you know, even though I was there, I had paid for the treatment at any moment in time, you know, you can actually, I'm sure you can back out, you know. And it's like, they are very real with you. Um, and they want you to know everything going into it. They're very thorough. And, and these are people that had just met me. You know, the doctors that I've been going to see since 08, they haven't even shared these things with me. Mm. I think for me personally, you know, and I've had a shift in doctors just because I had an older doctor and he retired and then I had a younger doctor, but I've been going to the same practice since 08. Um, and it has shifted. It has changed. But with all that said, I learned more in that 30 minute or an hour. It wasn't even hour conversation than I have since 08 with my neurologist. How about that? So, you know, for people that are thinking about going um, or trying to make that decision, you know, I want them to understand that when you go over there, you know, they're just not going to shift you into the chemo room. Um, you know, they do extensive testing um, the first couple of days because they want to make sure that you're able to be able to go through the HSPT process. Um and, you know, and I can't remember all the testing, but I know they test your heart. They do your MRI, just different things that they, they and they sit down with you and they have conversations with you about 
the medications that you're taking, you know, and we have a list of medications that you have been taking. Um, just very thorough. And if I had one word to describe them, it's thoroughness. Um, and, and for me personally, I was just blown away, to be honest, um, because I've always heard negative about Mexico. Sure. I've never heard positive about Mexico. Um, and, you know, so anyway, so that was eye opening for me personally. And do and you I, clearly you were eligible to go through yeah, treatment. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was definitely eligible to go through treatment. Um, but, you know, I want people, you know, to understand, too, that they are very thorough with that testing that they do when you first get down there. Um, you know, and that's the first day or two, you know, first two days at least. And that's what they're doing. They're testing to make sure you're able to do this. Um, even though you get on a plane and you come out there and you tell them you're able to do this, they still make sure that you're able to get through that treatment. So again, it's just them, you know, being thorough. That was eye-opening for me. And I think at that point, that's when you start establishing your trust with them because it's very obvious that they care, number one, mm. um, because they're scheduling you, each individual person, and, and they do this with each individual person. And I think I had maybe eight or nine people in that group that went down with me. Um, and I won't get into specifics, but they separate you out and at least they did when I went, they separated us out into two groups. And so it's like a group A and a group B. And that way, you know, one group can be doing this. The other group is doing this. So everybody's not, you know, they're establishing resources and the people that they have and making sure that everybody um, has what they need throughout that process. Sure. So were you in Puebla or Monterey? I was in Puebla. Um, and, you know, for those that haven't, that don't know Puebla does the um, they do the cooking for you. They have all your meat. And I think the big difference between the two Monterey is you can do your own grocery shopping, prepare your own meals. I personally think at cooking. So my husband was going to be with me. So <laughs> right. I did not want that responsibility. Um, so with my anxiety and my stress, I would be flipping out over what am I going to eat next? Well, how was the food and was it, it was like very, readily available? It was readily available. It was very good. You know, I'm sure people are apprehensive about the food, but in Puebla, I have zero complaints about the food. Um, every single day the tray came in and we're talking October in October of last year. So people have to understand we're still in COVID last year. Right. We're not we're not on the beginnings of COVID. We're I feel like we're on the tail end of COVID. Because at that point in time when you traveled, you just had to have um the two shots, I think. The the first one and the second shot. Um and I think now they have two boosters out. So so that's kind of rewind into October of last year. Um so with the food, every single thing came with saran wrap on the top of it, and it was delivered to our room. So we didn't go into the cafeteria or mingle or anything at that point in time. Um, I'm not for sure if that's changed because of COVID shifting and changing. I just know that when we got our food, I was impressed because every single tray, whether it be a piece of fruit, whatever, it was covered. Um, and it was delivered to us and I, I, you know, I had plenty to eat, even when you're going through chemo, you know, you can request things and ask things that, you know, you may feel like you can eat and they can, and, you know, a lot of times they try to accommodate you, but again, you know, I'm sure that there's things that they just absolutely don't have down there, but I had zero problems with the food. Um, my husband enjoyed the food thoroughly. Nice. Um, he did. <laughs> and is that a separate cost from I, what you pay for treatment? Actually, it is not. And and that's the thing about, you know, Mexico and going. I mean, you pay, and, and I, I think it's still 55, I don't know, but you pay that and that's it. You know, and, and when you think about food costs, I mean, we had 
food every, I mean, every meal. Um, we could have any beverages that we really wanted. Now, of course, I'm sure if you got something like beer or something, that's different. Right. And we, we weren't allowed to have that, but sure. <laughs> uh, but you know, I think the person that comes down with you, um, they can have a little extra, but, but everything was included. And that's a, that's a huge cost. It has to be a huge cost for them. Um, I mean, there's people prepping the food, cooking the food, delivering the food, um, washing the dishes because you set your dishes out um, or when the maid comes to clean your apartment, they pick up your dishes. And so it's the food was good. I was able to eat even through chemo. Um, and, you know, they are very accommodating down there extremely accommodating. That's awesome to know. Yeah. And for, yeah, for anyone who's unsure about that. Yeah. And, and, and to the, the person cooking the food would occasionally come up there and ask us, you know, how is the food? Nice. You know? Yes. Because, you know, they want people to come there. You know, they, they want you to come there. They want you, I mean, it's, it, I, I'm not, I don't really necessarily think it's a business business, but, you know, they want to make sure that when you're there, you're getting what you want and what you need. And you um, have a good experience. And you have a positive, good experience. And that's a huge part of the stem cell treatment or any other treatment you get. Um, because based on, you know, the doctors, the nurses, even down to the people that are cooking your food, that makes a huge difference in your mentality. Um, and it can change at any moment. And if you're down in a country that's not your country um, and you have one little hiccup, it's, you know, it's really going to be a setback for you. But I personally did not experience that the whole 28 days I was in Mexico. Awesome. So what about a memorable experience while you were there? I think the biggest thing for me and this kind of, I mean, it has something to do with the treatment, but the most memorable thing that I got to experience that will be a lifelong um, memory for me was the Day of the Dead. Um, and, you know, people, I personally am I'm a very, you know, I lived in the country, very conservative. And the Day of the Dead, I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm not really okay with celebrating dead people, you know, like. Oh, Dia dead. de los muertos. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, but being down there and experiencing that with them, it made me see actually what Day of the Dead meant. You know, we actually, in Puebla, um, there's a volcano that you can see. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know the name of the volcano, but honestly, I, first, I thought it was a huge mountain. Um, and I was like, oh, that's a cool, cool mountain. They were, they were like, no, that's, kind, that's an active volcano. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, that clears that up. But um, we can see the cemetery is actually across the street. And um, and Mexico, you know, there's not a lot of land. There's houses, you know, among houses, a lot of concrete, that kind of thing. But you can see the cemetery. And, you know, there's there's people coming in and out of the cemetery. And I just, I was able to come up. And I was able to observe them. And the basis of Day of the Dead is when they get to celebrate people that have passed on. Mm -hmm. And they take one whole day. And that nothing happens on that day except for you are celebrating people that you have lost in your life. And loved. And loved. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And it's and, and the weirdest thing was for me, they cook food for their deceased, they cook their favorite food, the person that had passed. So if it's like chicken casserole, you know, they cook chicken casserole and then they put it on the table and, uh, you know, the dead or the spirits are supposed to come and eat the food and whatever's left over by noon or lunchtime, that's what they get to eat. Um, and I was like, cool. <laughs> I was like, you know, I was like, this is, this is pretty neat, you know, and it's almost, I didn't realize they took a whole day out of their life and life stopped. Oh, and yeah. And I mean, I, you know, I really didn't know this. And I, you know, and I think, I think about it here in the States. I mean, you know, we don't do that. 
And I think that is a huge, um, that kind of helps me understand their culture because another thing I observed down there, and I kept repeatedly telling them this, they work so hard. Mm. Like it's just, it's just who they are, you know, um, and they just work really, really hard, very conscientious. I, and I have a hard time with that word. Um, and they're just hard workers. So me personally, that was um, a very positive experience for me that I'll never forget. Because That's a beautiful my, custom for sure. It, it really is. And I was like, you know, I was like, Ooh, day of the dead, you know? Um, but no, uh, I mean, it's, it's a lot deeper, um, than just think, you know, Oh, it's the dead people. No. Um, that, you know, they pause their life and they, do things that this person would have liked to do or see or just something to celebrate that person's spirit. Sure. And reflect and respect and honor those who yeah. have passed on. Yeah. And I got to see all of them coming to the cemetery and they have certain colors of flowers that they place on their grave. And I think it's orange. I'm not for sure about that, but I think it's orange or something. So when you go down there, um, you know, we were seeing a lot of orange flowers and it's because that's significant of the day of the dead. Hmm. Um, so that's my experience. Um, I got to experience down there while I was going for treatment. That's so, uh, so neat. Yeah. It's just neat to experience and witness other cultural norms. Yeah. Because as a teacher, you know, um, that would have been amazing. I can't teach anymore, but that would have been so amazing to have that experience and share that with the kids in the classroom. Um, because you know, you really don't understand things unless you experience them. Um, and I was able to experience that. And I think you can learn from that. So, and I feel like I learned from that and I, it kind of cleared up some of the misconceptions I have about Mexico. For sure. Which is awesome to have that transformation along with hopefully transformation of your experience with MS. And so how are you doing now? Almost a year (laughs) post-transplant. I'm doing great. Um, I want to share with you one of the things that happened along this journey was um, the last time we spoke on the previous podcast, you know, I, one of the reasons why I decided to do HSCT at that moment in time was they were going to shift my medication Mm -hmm. as of lab results um, for the, I think they were testing the JCV titer or something like that. Um, So I go to Duke and the neurologist there, because I wanted a second opinion. Um, because I, I know Duke is into research and that was another angle that I wanted to work. So I wanted to make sure that when I went through this process, I was going to be able to document a lot of it. So anyway, so when I went to Duke, um, and I told her what was happening going on and she told me, she says, well, let me do this. She says, I need to retest you. She says, because in the month of June, there was a bad batch of labs, um, that, that they had. And I don't know if that was across the board or what. So she said, I just want to retest you. She retests me and I test negative. Fascinating. So the thing that what I want people to understand through this, and I got chills again, because I feel like, again, I don't feel like there are mistakes. I feel like anyways, but, um, but I, I was not positive. And if I had not gone to her and if she had not known that, I would have been put on Maven class. I would have been put on a different medication, a completely different medication. When the medication that I was taking, which was Tysabri, mm. was still working for me. So we're talking, and, and those, out, those people out there with multiple sclerosis totally understand what I'm talking about right yep. now. Because when you shift medications, it's life-changing for you. Absolutely. And if I had not gone to her, and if she had not retested me, I would have been on Maven clad, a completely different medication, when I didn't have to go on Maven clad. 
So I wanted to make sure I pointed that out to people because I feel like it goes back to us as a community where you have to advocate for yourself. Absolutely. It's one of the most important and toughest to practice skills. And it really is because when I was in Mexico and when you're, you're kind of on the outside looking in, I was on the outside looking in and I didn't really like what I saw in, in the United States. And because I experienced something completely different in Mexico. So, you know, you have to advocate for yourself. And I'm a very, I feel like I trust the people in our medical profession. Um, But on the flip side of it, you know, they're human as well. And they do make mistakes. And honestly, sometimes you come against, you come across people that just don't care. Like they just don't care. It's just not who they are. Or they're so busy with their schedule, right? And they're flipping patients every 15 minutes. They just don't have the time to dig deep and and really reflect or or think. And that is very true. It's like autopilot or something. Yeah. And I think, I think as all of us, we've become desensitized to things. You know, because, I mean, it's just human nature. If you do the same thing over and over and over again, you know, you kind of get desensitized to it. And And going back to the original conversation, right, there's a lot of distraction. There's There's a lot of distraction, yes. So just, I think we have the responsibility for being advocates for our own health. Absolutely. And I think that's the biggest lesson that I have learned here. Um, because I just, so I'm, I'll get back to, you know, it was a very positive experience for me. Um, I've had positive results and what I want to really stress to people also is, you know, I think we, me personally, I have to continually tell myself the goal of HSCT is to stop the progression, you know, exactly. Anything extra is great, but, you know, the goal is to stop the progression. You're not going to go over there and be a completely different person when you come back. Um, I think a lot of times, you know, with the disease or anything, you know, it's like you want that miracle cure, you know. Of course. Yeah, because you want that life back. But, you know, I think for me personally, I had to make sure that I grounded myself because, the goal of HSCT is to stop the progression and anything extra is just like awesome bonus. Yeah. It's a complete bonus. And you're like, so, um, so the first time I went to the neurologist, um, I think it was six months after I'm not for sure six months. And then I went a year. So, um, when I went six months and this was very telling for me, because, again, remember, I had went to the neurologist right before I got on a plane to go to Mexico. Right. And, you know, they do. Um, yeah, we were test- talking with you right before you had yeah. that appointment. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I was waiting on that appointment to see how it went. Um, and so I went back six months out and she knew that I had went for HSBT and, um she did the testing that they do, like our reflexes, you know, they do the, right. the finger nose. And she, she just looked at me and she told me, she says, your legs are different. Oh. Without tests, without any MRIs, without anything. She says, your right and your left legs are, are responding the same. And she said, when you, came to me six months ago, they weren't responding the same. They were different. Mm. So for me, and I could already tell a difference in my legs because for those, you know, my symptoms are, I have a lesion on my spine. And so I've always had, um, my legs have always been an issue for me. Mm-hmm. I can't, you know, I can't stand to wash dishes. I can't stand for long periods of time. They would shake. They would, you know, They would hurt, um, cramp, whatever you want to call it. 
Um, so for me and my journey, that was the first positive, um, and it was, it was the first validation for me that yes, what you're experiencing is in fact an improvement for like post HSCT. How about that? Yes. And, and, and like I said, you know, they measure things with MRIs and stuff, but she could immediately tell a difference in the response of my legs. And so I was able to, and you know, when I was younger, when I was four years old, I fell off a bicycle. Mm. To this day, I, I kind of hurt on my right side. And another tell for me was I hadn't been able to sleep on my right side because it hurt. And so, um, so anyways, when I got back, I was able to sleep on my right side. Wow. <laughs> How does that feel to be able to sleep on your right side? You know, it. It was awesome. I mean, I can't even I can't even put into words because, you know, forever I hadn't been able to sleep on that side because I hurt so bad on that side. And I was able to sleep on my right side, you know, and it was just it was amazing because, again, it's just another validation for me that, yes, this is working um, because I think when you come back, for me personally, I'm just like, I don't want to get my hopes up. Mm -hmm. And so for the longest time, I was like, is this going to change? Is this going to change? You know, and it hasn't um, for me. And so um, and I'll and I'll tell you this, this story, because I told this to my 18 year old mm. at, the, at college. And again, people with multiple sclerosis um, that deal with these symptoms on a day to day will will totally get this. I went in his room and I sat down with him and I said, you'll never believe what I just did. I said, I stood up at the kitchen sink. I washed my dishes. I dried my dishes. I put my dishes away. Mm. And, and what again, did he I, say? He's like, you know, as, as an 18 year old, he was like, and the big deal is uh, what? <laughs> you're like, uh, it's a huge deal. No, him as my child, he understood the significance of it in all seriousness. Nice. Because they, you know, your children, the people that live with you, they live it with you. Yeah, they do. And they see the struggle. They see the fatigue. They see you not being able to work anymore. And so he totally understood, like, that was a huge deal. Um, because honestly, I had never really been able to stand on my legs for that long period of time mm -hmm. without the shaking, cramping and giving out on me. And not only was I able to do that, but I was able to continue with the rest of my day and doing the chores that you normally get to do throughout the day as an adult. And the beauty of it was I got to wake up the next day and I wasn't out of it the next day. Right. So again, it's like my fatigue is less. My brain fog to me personally does not exist anymore. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing because I woke up after the first chemo treatment and I felt like my eye, I felt like a newborn child and my eyes were open for the very first time in my life. And that is no joke. And I sat on my bed for a minute because if you go to Pueblo, the view there is just amazing. Mm -hmm. That's the only that's the only word I'll use to describe it. It's amazing. And I just sat there and I just looked out this nice window and I'm like, because it's a long window and you get to see out. And I'm like, the world looks different to me. Mm. Um, and it looked different to me. And, and that's when I texted my friend. Because, you know, for me, I didn't realize, too, they, they have you on steroids. And I sure. guess I just, you know, they do have you on steroids. So with that said, you know, I was like going all over the place. And Feeling I amazing. I was amazed. Nothing was hurting at the time. You know, I was like, oh, this is awesome. But I knew it was the medications. And um, but the steroids got me going, like really got me going. And I texted her and I was like. I was like, some, I was like, I cannot slow my brain down. And for those of you out there with the brain fog and the fatigue, for it, it's 
my brain just felt like I just felt like it kind of woke up a little bit, actually mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. And I had, I mean, I was going to go crazy. Like I couldn't keep up with it, to be honest with you. It's kind of like you have the computer shut down or you turn your phone off and then all those texts start coming in when you turn it back on. <laughs> right. You know, it's like bing, 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 bing. And so, um, I texted her and I was like, I don't know what's going on. I said, but I can't get my brain to stop. Mm. I was like, my brain is just going a million miles an hour and I can't get it to stop. And so I actually, um, I went to, um, I go and have um, massages and anybody that doesn't believe in massage therapy, it does work. Um, and it does help with your symptoms. So with that said, I contacted um, the lady that I go to because she's into, you know, meditation and stuff. So she actually recorded uh, a meditation thing for me. And every single day I practice meditation. Um, And meditation is the only thing that got me through that whole Mm. my brain waking up. Sure. Well, that can be overwhelming, especially when you're just not used to that shift and transformation, like true transformation. Yeah, and, and it is a true transformation because it's like your brain is just waking up, I feel like. Um, and, you know, and cog fog is very real. And there's a reason why they call it cog fog. Um, it's a heavy fog that you can't see through. And when you try to see through it, it takes everything in you just to have a complete sentence to have that word that you're looking for, um, to be able to complete that thought process. Um, you know, and so it's just, I just can't, I I just can't put it into words to be honest with you. Um, it's been very life changing for me and, you know, and I'm, I will be forever grateful to clinical Mm. web and Dr. Wes and, Um, And I actually, and I got to see him, you know, a lot of times when you go through something like this, you'll never see the doctor. The lead doctor. Yeah. I saw him like at least three different times. I saw him. I physically saw him. And for me, that meant everything because that for me, it's, it, that said to me, like, he thinks enough of you to stop what he's doing to come see you personally Mm. and to tell you and to ask you, how are you doing today? Yeah. You know, and he did that when um, we first started treatment. He did that when we had our stem cells back. He did that the last day I was there. Um, He checked in with us. Every he checked in with me at least three times and he asked those questions and, you know, that's huge. And and I think um, people that listen to this podcast and and hear that, I think they know what I mean when I say it's a huge deal. For sure. Um, I'm a person where my philosophy is your actions will always speak louder than your words. Indeed. And I, you know, I said it in the last one and I'll say it in this one because, you know, you can talk about, I'll be there for you, but unless you show me that you'll be there for me, that's when I will believe you. Um, and I meant enough to him for him to stop what he's doing and to come and say hello. And he's got to be a busy man. Like he just has for sure. But that's beautiful. (laughs) I mean, I know he's, he's probably got so many things going on. And, um, so, you know, that I think, you know, my symptoms are a lot better. I feel like I don't have cog fog anymore. Well, other than meditation, I'm curious, like what else is supporting you through recovery? Through recovery, it's been a little bit difficult because, that six month period, you really do have to isolate yourself. Um, and the whole eating thing, but it's not anything that people like us or people that fight disease. I don't feel like it's anything different that we have to deal with. Right. Or extreme. 
It's it, it is it's not like sl- it's a good excuse to slow down and just take care of yourself. Yeah, it really. So for me, I think um, I just I try to sleep. Um, I try to listen to my body, even though even days I didn't want to listen to it. But for me, I got out and I would just walk however much I could walk. I would walk. Um, my husband works here, so he was here day in and day out. Um, you know, and we're very blessed with that because I know a lot of people after COVID had to go back and be physically at work. Um, but he, you know, he's into, you know, finances and stuff like that. So he's been able to stay home. So he would go do the grocery shopping, you know, um, just do different things like that, that I wasn't able to go out and do. Um, and just constantly telling myself, you know, it's going to be better and you will get out and you will see people and you will begin to live your life again. Um, you just have to have that mentality, um, because it's a part of the journey. Right. And it's Um, only temporary. And it, and it is only temporary. I mean, and I, and I want people to understand, you know, I have two cats, um, I mean, it it was totally fine. It, you know, just listen to what they say to you and you're totally fine. Um, you know, I know they say with pets, try not to rub them and, and you know, pet them and, and stuff. And I didn't do that. They they kind of sat on top of me, of course. But um, right. but, you know, I was that that was the hardest part. But I would shut the door and they knew that they were not allowed to sleep with me. Um, you know, my kids were not allowed to shower in the same shower as me. Um, you know, now everything's back to normal, but for, for that six months, it was just, that's the way it was. And, you know, the, the whole eating thing was totally fine. I mean, if I got hungry, I would just get a can of fruit and just open it up and know that it was, you know, not contaminated and, sure. you know, you know, um, but for the six months I walked, um, I tried to sit outside. Um, you know, I, you know, we have social media and there's just a lot of different things. But for me personally, the mentality piece was I checked in with my psychiatrist um, because I want people to also understand that. Um, and, you know, I live with the whole mental health thing, the, the anxiety and depression, and I am, I wholeheartedly embrace that because that is a big part of me and my story. And it's there every single day. Mm. And I made sure that I was in contact with my psychiatrist because it, it, it affected me mentally. For Um, sure. Chemo can do that. It did. And, and and so I made sure that I was in touch with her. Um, and the deal with her is you contact me and I'll put you in and we'll have an hour chat um, whenever you need me. Um, and so that was the deal with us. So I would just email her and she would email me back and we'd have a Zoom call. Amazing. Um, yeah. So I, I think for me, the biggest part is getting over the depression piece. But that's not, in all honesty, that's not something that's new for me. Um, That's something that I have tried to teach myself how to deal with since the diagnosis. Um, So, and actually, you know, that's a positive for my diagnosis because it has actually helped me to manage the depression, to manage the anxiety, um, and to be able to identify what it is. So, Mm, so important. It really is. And I want people to understand out there that, you know, multiple sclerosis affects you physically. It will affect you mentally, but you have to give priority to your mental health. Absolutely. Have to give priority to your physical health, Um, because if your mental health is not great, your physical health is not going to be great. Correct. So I know our focus is physical, um, but but mental is a huge piece that not enough people talk about. So I appreciate you making sure to incorporate that. Well, I think for me, it has to be a priority and I really hope other people make it their priority. Mm. Uh, And I think for me personally, um, you know, I I share that with people, you know, I, I try not to be ashamed of it. I do come from, um, a place where they don't believe in the medication. They don't, you see the depression. They don't see the anxiety. 
Um, you know, I know someone that doesn't believe in medication and I, I just politely say, you know, that's great that you don't believe in it, but this is me and I do. So therefore I'm going to take the meds. Sure. Uh, I mean, in a lot of people, it's really just a chemical imbalance that medication can help to balance. Yeah. And it's a, it's a science. It's something that is not that you don't have enough of, or you have too much of. You know, science is a big part of that. And I think depression and anxiety or any mental illness also goes along with multiple sclerosis because it's invisible, you know, and I feel like that's why we ignore it and we pretend like it doesn't exist because, right? you know, I mean, I can wear a T-shirt that says depression on it, you know, um, you know, because we don't see it. Um, anyways, that, you know, that's a whole separate thing, but as a society, we need to understand just like with MS, just because you don't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Correct. Um, Illuminating the invisibilities. I love it. Yeah. And, And, you know, and so anyways, and so, um, just make sure, you know, that six month time when you come back home, that you are doing the things for your physical health, but make sure you're taking care of your mental health as well. Um, because, you know, you're not going to get back and everything's going to magically be great. Um, the first three months, even, I feel like are a little bit of a blur in my memory. Yeah. And and honestly, just, I feel like it's like labor, you know, they say after you go through labor, um, you know, you go through that intense pain, but you kind of forget about it. Mm. Honestly, I forget about it. Like I, you know, I can't even remember, you know, um, that whole time where it just goes by so fast. It really does. It really does. Like so many people, I think, are hesitant leading up to HSCT because they're like, I don't know that I can, you know, hand over that time. I don't think I can. Well, gee whiz, the time passes so fast. And I don't know if you're like me, but it was the best investment I've ever made in myself. It, you know, and I think we have a responsibility to ourselves, but we also have a responsibility to our family. If you want to have your best self and if HSCT is something that you are even thinking about, um, I think you owe it to yourself, not only to do the research, but to make it a priority because we're not going to get better. Um, We're just going to get worse. I would love to say, you know, it's, it would be different, but it's not. Right. The and disease I, is progressive. It's very progressive. But, you know, and, and like you're saying, those, that time was very good for me. It helped me to slow down. But more importantly, I knew that when I was on that road to recovery, that I felt like I had already felt the difference in my body. Mm. So I knew that at the end of the day, when I reached that six month period or three month period or whatever, you know, I was going to feel better. Um, and I understand people, you know, people have lives, they have jobs, they have families, but at the end of the day, honestly, um, you can continue with your life, but you're going to get worse. Not you having know, HSCT, right? Not, not having HSCT. You know, and it will be a battle because you will have people saying, don't do it, don't go. Um, my, the neurologist, you know, the one that I went to go see at Duke, she was like, I just have to advise you not to because of COVID, you know. And I said, well, I, I respect that, but I'm still going. Right, um, right. <laughs> you know, and, and I kind of get back and it's kind of like, you know, people see you. And they see the difference in you. My family sees the difference in me. Honestly, and I have to share this too, because I didn't realize the effect it was going to have on my mom, my dad, my brothers, Mm. um, my extended family. Tell us more. Yeah, well, you know, they came to me. My both. Okay, they're they're going to listen to this, but both of them came to me and they were just really upset. Like they were upset about me leaving. Um, they wanted to make sure they told me that they loved me. Um, 
you know, it, it really puts things in perspective because honestly, when you go, there's always a scenario that's the worst case scenario. For sure. And there's a lot of fear. And, and, and that's the, for me personally, honestly, I didn't have any fear and that's not like me, but there was not, I just didn't have any because I knew that there was no other option for me. Mm. Um, I knew that October was my time. I needed to take that and I needed to do it. Um, and there was just no other option for me personally. So I, and I'll be 48, um, next month. And so, you know, but anyways, but yeah, but the family part of it, you know, they were just, they really were like, we love you. Please call us every day, you know, if you can, you you know, and, and so it was just, it, it made me feel really good because it made me really see how deep they cared for me. Mm. Um, because honestly, I wasn't expecting it to be honest with you. And it, and it just made me feel really good because I'm like, you know, they really, really do love me. And a lot of times you won't see that unless you come across something in your life that is either that lets them know that you may not come back, you know, or you sure. not get over this. And so what um, do they think now? They're like all excited yeah. and they want to tell people and be like, you know, they just like, Hey, my sister went and had this done, you know, you need to look into it. Um, you know, I mean, I always had faith in it, but they see the end result. They see me now and, um, they see me, you know, doing things that, you know, I wouldn't necessarily been able to do pre HSCT. And, and I know in my heart, the further I get out with this, the better I will feel. Mm. Um, and so, you know, so, um, I've already so, seen him. Go ahead. Well, so what about a superpower that you've gained in your experience with HSCT? Um, I have to say my mentality because, you know, pre-HSCT, I told myself that I had to really go deep into my thoughts and I really had to make sure that mentally I was in a good place. And throughout that whole process, when I went over there, I took stickies to put on my windows. Um, I bought sunflower earrings. I, um, took personal belongings and I put them up in my room to remind myself of the strength that I had Mm. and who I am. Um, I wore a certain necklace that had scripture on it. I mean, I really prepped myself mentally to go in there and to be in a certain space every single day. Um, So I I have to say my superpower is my mentality because for the first time in my life, I've learned that I can control what I think mm-hmm. and how I think it's going to control what I do. Um, I never knew that. That's so powerful. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, it truly is because that's what this has taught me. It has taught me that there are instances in life where you just have to be in a certain place. There's no other option for you. And believe it or not, it works. You know, um, you know, some people will say, well, I, you know, I really want to do this, but I I don't, I don't have the money. I don't have this. And I was like, well, the thing is, you just have to tell yourself, I am going to do this. Mm. It's not, you know, I might, or if you say to yourself, I will do this. Well, you're not going to stop until you do it. Right. There's definitely a huge mental component that you have to kind of level up. It is because otherwise, I mean, cause it's, it's not an easy road at all. Um, but at the same time, I have a lot of respect for, for my other, I want to say for my other people that have him <laughs> people out there that have him Um, that's just who we are. That's we're resilient. You know, it's not about if I'm going to get through the rest of the day. It's about when I get through the rest mm-hmm. of the day. So, um, so I think that's my superpower. Um, I also want, I made a note. I also want to, um, 
this is the one other thing that I want to emphasize too. When I went to the neurologist, one of the things she told me was um, the biggest thing that made her appreciate HSCT when it works is um, it helps with the, our brain atrophy. Mm. Um, because she said it's really heartbreaking for her to see people that um, have MS to see that happen. Um, and for those of you that really don't understand it, brain at atrophy, basically, um, I think it's shrinkage of our brain. Yeah. And it happens as we age anyway, but it's, I don't want to say accelerated. It's just more pronounced when you've got brain volume loss because of lesion activity. Yeah. And, and that's kind of what she was saying. And she says, if it doesn't do anything, but stop that whole process. Right then it's worth it. Um, so I just wanted to put that in there because that's, that's amazing. That, yeah. That, I mean, that's what really what she said. She was like, if it just stops the brain atrophy, then that's a huge deal for us. Um, because she, as a neurologist has seen that right. and what, and it, what, and what it does to you, um, it affects your cognition and all the other things that, I mean, it affects everything. Yeah, it um, does. Well, and Duke University offers HSCT for, especially for patients with scleroderma as a frontline treatment. It's they like do. a standard of care for scleroderma now, which is amazing. And so it's nice to know that neurologist seeing you for MS was mm -hmm. on board with mm -hmm. HSCT. And that, and I honestly, I was really apprehensive about when I first went back, but she had a very positive attitude with me. Um, and, you know, she was very positive. So that's fantastic. Um, but, um, but yeah, that, you know, that kind of stuck out for me because I never really thought about brain atrophy. So, um, you know, I honestly, I never even knew that. Um, so, well, but, it's another uh, but, one of those things that we don't necessarily talk about. Yeah, yeah. So um, certainly invisible until it becomes pronounced. Yeah, and, and you know, like HSCT will stop that. So, um, and I had my MRI, and my MRI showed um, no new lesions, no anything new, and so I'm not on medication, and I go back in a year. Fantastic. So, yeah. So fantastic. But, well, is there anything else you're grateful for about your experience with HSCT that has gone unspoken? Um, I mean, I think, I, I think I was able to share a lot of it. I'm just very grateful and thankful for people over there in Mexico that are doing their job and for making people that are in a different country feel at home in their country. Mm. Because when you go through something like that and you're being wheeled into the operating room to put the, I think it's the port in, mm -hmm. um, you know, that's a big deal. So they treat you, actually, I feel like they treat us better than the people over there. Like, you know, I really do. Um, they just, they do an amazing job and just know that I honestly, I'm a very picky, particular person <laughs> and I. I had zero problems over there. They're very organized. And I just can't say enough about them. That's um, fantastic. Yeah. And if anybody's worried about the whole COVID thing, they are very, very careful about COVID. Um, mm. They're just very, very careful with um, everything that they do over there, the clinic, the hospital, all of it. It's literally all they do. They do nothing else. Yeah. And yeah. So, it, I mean... I, I have zero negative, like there's nothing negative over there. Brilliant. Um, and, and anybody out there that, you know, wants to reach out or anything like that, I'm totally open to that because I personally chose HSCT because I felt like that was the right call for me. And I know it's not the right call for everyone, but for those of you that are considering it, um, just know that, you know, I, I'm more than happy to be a resource. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you for giving back. Well, thank you for, for having me back on. Oh, my gosh. And we'll sign <laughs> you up as a Talk to a Warrior volunteer so that people can easily find you and schedule time to connect whenever you're ready. No pressure. 
Well, I, I can go ahead and go on there and be ready because I, I feel like I'm in a good place. And, That's um, wonderful. It's so yeah. great to hear that. And you're not even one year post. And so who knows what is to come in the coming years plus through recovery. For us, the smaller, I mean, it doesn't matter how small it is. It's right. huge. Exactly. Yeah. It's about the little things. It, well, it is. It truly is. And um, those of us fighting this disease, you know, I think we really appreciate the small things because we know how much it makes a huge difference in our life. Indeed. Well, you've made a huge difference in my life just in sharing your story. I really appreciate you, Amy. Thank you. I appreciate you too. And just thank you. I, again, thank you for the podcast because every single day I would just listen to the podcast. <laughs> Yay. I, I really did. And that, that, that helped with my anxiety. So I wonderful. I really, oh yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. All the best to you uh-huh. in health and wellness and thank continued you. improvements potentially with recovery, if anything, continuing yes. to halt progression. That that is the key. Yeah, thank, thank you for sharing your optimism, and it's been such a delight catching up with you and checking in. So, yeah, stay in touch. All right, thank you so much. Take good care, Amy. You too. Thank you. Thank you. Be sure to visit hsctwarriorspodcast.org, where you can find notes from today's episode, submit ideas or feedback, and connect with resources and the HSCT Warriors Incorporated nonprofit. As always, special thanks to musical genius Billy Allitzhauser for sharing his superpowers to create the soundtrack, edit, and produce the audio to make this podcast possible. You can find us both when you subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts. It has been amazing to connect with warriors worldwide, and we would love to hear from you about how the podcast has helped your journey with autoimmune disease. Take a moment to connect with us on Instagram or share this episode with someone you know that would enjoy listening. In the meantime, we hope you'll tune in next Wednesday for another episode highlighting another HSCT warrior. Until then, be a snowflake and embrace your superpowers. Be kind, be well. Jen Stansberry Koenig and the producers disclaim medical influence and responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. If you think you have a medical problem, please contact a licensed physician and take good care.